This podcast is intended as entertainment for grown-ups and to spread awareness of 826LA, a nonprofit writing and tutoring center for children ages 6 to 18. Visit 826LA.org for a full schedule of 826LA's events and programs, including the Time Travel Mart, with locations in Echo Park and Mar Vista, California. And now, the host of the Dead Authors Podcast, Mr. H.G. Wells. Greetings all, and season's greetings of that. It is I, H.G. Wells, sliding down your virtual chimney with a brimming sackful of Chapter 41 of the Dead Authors Podcast. My guest for this installment is the beloved children's book author and illustrator Dr. Seuss, whose very name is synonymous with Christmas, though perhaps not quite as synonymous as it is with chapeau-wearing felines, oddly-coloured breakfast meals, and elephants possessed of unrivaled auditory capacity. We'll hear from the good doctor soon enough, but first, to show my appreciation for your continued patronage and downloadery over the past year, I decided to go shopping for your Christmas present in the future. To commemorate the birth of our Lord 2014 years ago, I hopped forward in time another 2014 years to bring you news of how all your favorite Christmas traditions are holding up. I am pleased to report that humankind still exists. Though there was an alarming global population drop resulting from a worldwide trend of chaps in high-waisted trousers falling in love with the sultry, gravelly voices associated with their operating systems. Scientists are still unsure whether the reduced birth rates owed more to the operating system's lack of reproductive organs or the constrictive nature of the aforementioned trousers. With fewer human beings around to muck things up, the planet's temperature has ceased its precipitous rise. Only now it's so bloody cold all year round, the Irving Berlin classic line, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, is only ever sung with the most bitterest of sarcasms. Let's see, what else has changed? Candy canes have been replaced by candy wheelchairs. TBS's 24 hours of a Christmas story marathon now runs for a solid week. And due to the dangerously low numbers of people left on the planet, the UN have mandated that what happens under the mistletoe is now quite a bit more involved. And there you have it. Other than that, things are largely the same. Oh, also dinosaurs are back. My conversation with Dr. Seuss was a most enlightening one. Please do sit back, relax, lean forward, set some chestnuts a-roasting over an open fire, sit back, relax, get up, scoot your chair back a bit from the fireplace as a safety measure, go to the kitchen since you're up anyway, and prepare yourself a mug of wassail. Sit back, relax, lean forward again to check on your chestnuts, sit back, relax, and enjoy chapter 41 of the Dead Authors Podcast. Happy Crimbo! Hi. Yes. Hello, uh, uh, Mr. Geisel. I, uh, for, the, for, the, for the purposes of our, our program, I will call you Doctor Seuss. Is that all right? That's fine. It's yes. pronounced Seuss. <laughs> it's pronounced Seuss. Go call called Seuss. Be like everybody else. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, you are my guest. Do you, do you have a preference? Would you? No, 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 no. Seuss is fine. Go ahead. For you know, for them. <laughs> so it's. You're not so much angry at me as you are at the rest of the people. No, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. I'm fine. I'm fine. You, you seem a little angry. I, I, <laughs> 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 I 
You, you want me to read from the book? <laughs> yes, I wonder, I wonder if you might. If you might favor us with a reading from one of your works. Pick, pick anyone you want. Just anything at random. You, what, you told me to bring this one. Yes, I did. <laughs> so I brought that. Yes, uh, thank sorry, you. guys. You're going to get a lot of this. I'm not... Hip problem. All right. Uh, this is like... Uh, like middle of the book, middle late book. Uh, and not, don't not... join in if you know the words. Okay? Thank you. 3,000 feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip top to dump it. Poo-poo to the hoos, he was grinchously humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the hoos down in Whoville will all cry and boo-hoo. This is a... Uh, this is the artwork I did this. Continue to the next page. That's the noise, grin the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused and the Grinch put his hand to his ear and he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. It's another original. I, mean. I, I, I say, yeah. I, I, I think people do take it for granted that, uh, that all the artwork in the book is uh, consistently done by you. Okay. Okay. Well, I just, just I, I, I only mean to save you the trouble of pointing right. out. Yes, on this page, I also drew this. Yeah, or I could be proud of the work I did and just want to show. Could be. I mean, that. Look at the detail on the face on that one. Don't look at the words. I don't want to tip the. Uh, fair, fair, fair play to you. Fair play to you, Doctor Seuss. But it, yeah. it doesn't seem like you're particularly enjoying any part of this process. No, this is great. I'm, I'm real happy to be here. But the sound wasn't sad, why the sound sounded merry. Couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville, the Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. And if you want to know the rest, you can pick up uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas at your local book retailer. It's uh, reasonably priced. Certainly. Thank you. Certainly. Thank you. Certainly, that, that applause gives it a sense of being over. <laughs> um, uh, may we talk? Darkest Truth, of course, is a pen name. Uh, your name is Theodore Geisel, and, and yeah. you, you've written under a few pen names. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, one of them um, was Rosetta Stone. Get it? <laughs> I don't think they get it. It's like in a museum, <laughs> they discovered this stone that helped them sort of decipher hieroglyphics, so Rosetta Stone. A reference to that. In college, uh, in college, you sometimes called yourself Doctor Theophrastus. Yeah, it's very exciting. Yeah, isn't it, Doctor Theophrastus? That was uh, I got kicked off of the uh, the magazine, so I just created a bunch of crazy names and you know put my drawings in there because you know up there's <laughs> there they certainly. I'm Dr. Seuss, right? No, I well, but you weren't at the time, and, and so we're, I going wasn't. To, we're going to find Sorry. out what what made you Dr. Seuss and how, how okay. you became that person. Great, um, but you did you did eventually relent. Uh, you did pronounce it Seuss. That was how it was meant to be mm -hmm. pronounced. Um, but eventually, you, you relented when everyone was saying Seuss, and you were like, well, go along with it. Why not? Yeah, why not? I, why you can't fight the rising tide, right? Isn't that what they say? I don't know who says that. They should say it. I'll put it in a book, and then they'll say it. Okay. What, what character do you think would be saying that? You cannot fight the rising tide. The, uh, 
wiggly split. The wiggly split. Yeah. You know, he's got like floppy feet and hands and like a bulbous nose and like a long protrusion off of his face that he's hairy. Maybe right. he's got a collar. So <laughs> Maybe like a single antenna. No clothing but a collar. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a hot look. Yeah. Well, Pre prefigures the Chippendales, doesn't it? It does. Do you, do I say, do you ever feel that the Chippendales owe you money? You know what? I'm glad you brought it up. I kind of do. Just the floating collars. Yeah, that's not fair. Where did they get that idea? No, I, I wonder. wonder. Oh, yeah. Like all of my books? Maybe all of them? I'll I, bet. I say, do you think that in Magic Mike, they could have included a scene where they did a dance routine where they were all uh, various kinds of sneeches? I'd love to see that check. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, you were born in Springfield, Massachusetts. I was. Um, you, you, your uh, your pen name comes from uh, your mother's maiden name, mm -hmm. uh, Soyce. Um, and uh, your father managed the family brewery, but he was uh, later uh, became the uh, supervisor of the public park system mm -hmm. uh, once prohibition uh, came in. I mean, did that did that have much effect on? Do you remember having much effect on your life going from? Uh, your father being a, this a brewery overseer to... Yeah. I, you, I thought you were going to finish. You kind of faded there. <laughs> okay. like a brewery owner to a zookeeper. Just say it. Just well, say he kept a zoo. Did you, we all know it. You said it. Did you consider him a zookeeper? Oh, well, sort of. I mean, you know, he was there. The park, zoo, whatever. Animals. <laughs> For me... Uh, but there, there is a big difference between a park and a zoo. Not every... Some some parks are zoos, but not every zoo is a park. What am I trying to say? <laughs> but you can have you can have a, 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 a demarcated area with bars and habitats and things, and you say yeah. this is absolutely a zoo. But we might use the word park as well to describe it. Sure. But you you, you might have a park that has no cages and things, and that's just a park. It's not a zoo. Thanks. <laughs> I just. I'm just trying to understand. Uh -huh. was, was your father a zookeeper or not? I, in a way, I mean, around our family. It's like the kids were wild. <laughs> Sorry, my publicist gave me that line. Very good. But, uh, uh, you know, just uh, the big difference for me to answer your original question was, uh, you know, not really much. Just I honestly don't remember what the question was. Um, <laughs> perhaps because I didn't finish it, I just sort of trailed off at the end there. Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, in, uh, in school, in high school, you took a, a, an art class. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so that was the beginnings of your artistic uh, sensibility. You were also the manager of the school soccer team. Mm -hmm. now, that's, that's an unusual thing, considering the time uh, in which you were in high school. There was not, uh, soccer was not a, a popular sport. Football, I call it. It uh, was not a very popular sport. I mean, uh, did people come to the games? No. No, nobody was there. It was Mostly just me kicking a ball around. As the manager of the soccer As the manager, I would be like, uh, hey, you, get over there in the goal. But there was nobody there. It was just sort of imagining uh, what it might be like to have other children to play soccer with, or as you call it, football. So you're not only, play, not, not only playing uh, soccer with no one, mm -hmm. were you also playing soccer against no one? <laughs> there was no opposing team? Nope. Nope, nobody, just all from my head. Makes so this wasn't really sanctioned by the school at all, was it? Something like a hobby. Look, I got a page in the yearbook. That's all I care about. <laughs> One page all to yourself. One page. 
Got to design it. I laid it out myself. Put some of my drawings in there. I drew in the opponents. They were an elephant and a fox. In fact, I think I got some similar stuff in here. In this. Oh no, it's all the Grinch. Never mind. Still no elephants nor foxes in the Grinch. I'm just as disappointed as you. Certainly. Um, you attended Dartmouth College. Uh, graduated in 1925. You, you were, a, you were a, a fraternity brother there. You were the uh, Sigma Phi Epsilon fraternity. Yeah. Did you enjoy fraternity life? Yeah, it was great. Just hanging out with your chums, wearing sweaters. Did you go in for any of that uh, phone booth stuffing, a goldfish swallowing, a flagpole sitting? Yeah, sure, all three. In, in one day. Just eating goldfish and getting in a phone booth with your buddies. Uh, with flagpoles. Raccoon coats? Yeah, raccoon coats. Uh, Jalopies? Yeah, on the antenna was a little uh, pennant for the school Absolutely. that waved when we drove. Certainly. Rumble seats? Certainly. You remember. I re well, you know. Certainly. You know. I, I do well, know, yes. Right? Let's face it, I do know. Yeah. <laughs> were you, uh, were you uh, a swilling uh, bootleg pooch? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was... I, I imbibed every now and then. I think it shows in my artwork. In fact, one of these uh, in here is real trippy. It's that damn Grinch again. I swear. Well, this... well, you know, you know, the book is—it's not—it's uh, not going to change. It'll be the Grinch every single time. Yeah, I, I wrote the book. I'm just trying to—you know—maybe there's something in here I hid. I like to hide stuff in my drawings. I... Nope. Just the yeah, Grinch. So it's, it's an eight-page book. Yeah. It's a lot of. You can Is there get... that much to remember about it? Look, I wrote a lot of books. I wrote I'm a certainly, lot of books. no one is saying that you haven't. You did write a lot yeah. of eight-page books. <laughs> Expect you to remember all of them together. It's like eight thousand pages. You remember eight pages uh, of an eight thousand page book? Saying... <laughs> let's let's do that math right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> if the, if the books are eight pages long. Uh -huh. And you say there's 8,000 pages worth of books. Yeah. How many books would that be? <laughs> like uh, 50. I don't, I, I don't think that's right. Uh, 100. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Next. Um, you met your wife after you uh, after you graduated uh, Dartmouth. You went to uh, you went to Oxford, uh, and you earned a P uh, intending to earn a PhD in English literature. Yeah, and that's where you met your wife Helen Palmer, um, and she was the one who who encouraged you uh, to pursue a career in the arts, to give up uh, literature and head towards the arts. Yeah, yeah. I showed her my sketchbook one night. We were in uh, a rowboat on the river. Certainly. I had one of those hand Ukulele yeah, going. Ukulele. Absolutely. A little head like, oh, but I love you so. Oh, oh, did you get out the megaphone? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the ladies loved a megaphone <laughs> back in those days. I see you floating on the <laughs> When I look into so your eyes. Under the moon that's a great one. They don't write them like that. Anymore. No, they don't. So I... I was singing her that song, and uh, she looked me in the eyes and said, you should just give up all this school and just draw. 
Is that a direct quote? That's exactly what she said. You should just give up all this school and just draw. Just draw. <laughs> and I did. Draw, I did. You did indeed. Draw, I did. Um, uh, you, you began right away, I mean, uh, on Helen's advice. Uh, um, you returned to the United States. Um, you began submitting uh, uh, drawings, cartoons, things like that. Mm -hmm. Your first cartoon um, uh, published in the Saturday Evening Post. That's, a, that's quite, a, mm -hmm. quite an amazing thing. You earned $25, and so you decided, <laughs> that's it, let's move to New York City. <laughs> you have to understand back then, $25 went a lot further. Oh, certainly. It was, it was certainly the down payment on a, on, on a home. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful five-bedroom home in Westchester. That's right. We settled in. Pool in the backyard. That's right. Three or four cars. A megaphone in every room in case we wanted to sing. I'll meet I'll you in the kitchen after I scrub out the tub. Um, and so uh, you eventually got a job. Uh, uh, are you still... Are you still bowing after you saw Just looking around. Oh, oh all right. <laughs> you see, this is not a, it's not a, a, a term that we often use uh, in, in, uh, in uh, the podcasting game, but you seem like a hostile witness. Uh, look, I'm just a guy. I'm here to talk about my book and talk about my life. I don't think there's anything I haven't answered. Uh, so <laughs> maybe I'm just a guy doing his best. I think you seem hostile. I, I, I do beg your pardon. I, I don't wish to appear so, and I, I, I do apologize. Merely, uh -huh. merely trying to suss out, have I offended you in some way? Not at all. I'm sorry if I made you feel like you offended me. Sorry, you didn't. You didn't. It's just, you know. Uh, uh, I've promoted like a hundred of these, so... Well, you know, the, the, you know. the book's done very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, well, so why, why do you think I'm pounding the pavement? Going to everybody. Well, no, I, I'm, say, I'm saying you don't have to worry about that anymore. It's, uh. it's cemented. These, these books are, are perennial bestsellers. Oh, that's great. Oh, my ride's here. <laughs> it's a fun joke. <laughs> joke. A joke as old as sirens themselves. Yeah. Remember when that was just a guy with a megaphone on top of the truck going, Oh, get out of the way! There's a crime committed, and we're the police! Do you know, it's a shame they don't use megaphones nearly as much anymore. I mean, certainly the, the amplified ones, but uh, I feel that's a bit of a cheat, don't you? I agree. I agree. It doesn't, uh, doesn't carry that natural tone of just a piece of paper and a cone. That's, right. that's good sound quality. That's right. um, so you, you, you landed a job at the, uh, the humor magazine Judge, mm -hmm. and uh, you felt that you were financially stable enough to uh, ask Helen to marry you. Um, and uh, everything seemed to be going quite well. And, and uh, uh, one of your cartoons uh, for Judge mentioned a common bug spray at the time. It was called Flit. Yep. And so um, the, uh, the advertising executive uh, in charge of Flit saw this cartoon and said, let's hire that young man. And so you began this career in advertising. You were drawing for advertising. It was rather like uh, Mad Men, wasn't it? It was. It was uh, everything. Gasoline. Uh, beer, cigarettes, uh, children's clothing, 
women's particulars, anything. I would just draw, they'd be like, women's particulars. Yeah, yeah. They'd be like, uh, we need someone to, uh, we need people to buy corn. I'm like, uh, you know what would be great? Like a fox with just floppy feet and floppy hands, like a bulb nose. And he's like, I would like some corn. Next thing you know, it's flying off the shelves. It's flying off the shelves. Can't help it, it's a gift. Was it, was, it, was it fun to work in an advertising office? It was fantastic. Just really great. If you want to really explore your creative boundaries, work in advertising. That's what they say. Who says this? Just people around. Pretty advertising sure it's in, offices? It's in this book somewhere, I think. Please, I sure beg of you. I beg of you. It's not in the, I can tell you it's not in the book. It's not in there. See, there's, you know, all these guys here, this is a drawing I did of all the who's. They're like singing together, but I'm pretty sure there's lettering in there. Say that quote. You know, we'll check later. Oh, I say, are you saying it's like it's like a sort of Hirschfeld drawing when he would hide uh, his daughter's name in the in the lines of his drawings that somehow you hid in there? If you really want to stretch yourself creatively, uh-huh. go into advertising. Yeah, I, I do. I I saw. I'm sorry, I can't remember the specific words of this well-known aphorism. It's fine. Stretch your creative boundaries. Is what's in it's in there. You, you'll find it later. Let's let let's say I believe you. Um, the flit campaign became very popular, uh, and uh, the catch. Do you remember the campaign's catchphrase? Sure. Get out of here, bugs! You're gonna be dead now. <laughs> well, you obviously it's a long time ago, and so you're paraphrasing, but the. Uh. Uh, uh, that's the spirit of it, certainly. The, the, the actual catchphrase was, Quick, Henry, the flit. Yeah, yeah. That was the alternate. <laughs> I didn't agree. I mean, you tell me which one would make you want to buy uh, bug spray. Probably the first one. Uh, uh. But your advertising uh, uh, paychecks uh, supported you and, uh, and your wife through the, uh, through the Great Depression. Um, and uh, you had this wonderful life where uh, the two of you, uh, you traveled a great deal. You had, uh, neither of you had regular office hours, so you were free to come and go as you pleased. And uh, you traveled a great deal. It was upon returning um, from Europe, um, you were on a boat. It was, a, sh- it was, a, it was a, a ship voyage, and you're coming home, and the rhythm of the engines of the ship uh, inspired you somehow uh, to write the poem that became and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. Yeah. Now, what was it about these ship's engines that inspired you to write the story? And, of course, if people don't remember, what is the story of uh, And to Think That I Sold on Mulberry Street? It's about this guy who's like, uh, you know what happened when I came home? It's a bunch of crazy stuff. I'll just tell them I saw it on Mulberry Street. They'll believe it. People will believe anything, advertising. But... uh, (laughs) You know the bo- the the boat. Uh, what you know those engines back then made a lot more noise, it's horrendous racket, a lot of hissing, certainly, and uh, clanging. So pretty much, I they, all the words were in those noises. Hissing. I just wrote down what I heard. It was hissing and clanging, yeah. booming and banging, yeah, and drinking and dragging and flimbing and flanging. Certainly. <laughs> so I wrote it down, and then uh, I became a book, very popular. How many people have read that one? Not enough of you. It's available at fine bookstores uh, everywhere. You can pick up a copy. I thought you said these things were selling well. No, well, let's continue the experiment. How many people haven't read that one? Same, same number of people. I think it's the same people applauding both times. It's a, it's a problem. Well, you Some can't you... trust these people. I, I take these sort of polls with the audience all the time, and they mean nothing. 
People either like to applaud or they don't. By applause, how many people like to applaud? <laughs> By applause, how many people don't like to applaud? You're right. It's the You're same right. people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, you've told the story very, you've told the story many times of, yeah. of the, the manuscript of uh, To Think That I Saw on Mulberry Street being rejected by various publishers. Yeah. And uh, it, sometimes it, it, the, the number of publishers that rejected it, according to your own account, um, is anywhere between 20 and 43. Mm -hmm. Now, did it start out as 20 and then you added one each time you told the story and then you, you put a cap on it at, th at 43? Or can you honestly not remember how many? It was a lot. I definitely, uh, you know, it was more every time. Because I still was getting letters after it was published from other publishers. Going, People still rejecting it. At that point, they were saying, well, it's already in bookstores. We're not going to publish it now. What are you doing trying to pass off your work as somebody else's? They didn't know. You know, back then, there wasn't technology. Like well, now, was it now. that they were just getting around to, to getting the submission? Yeah. They were just it was at the bottom of the pile? They just and had then... big stacks of, you know, envelopes and papers. People saying, here's my book idea. You should make this. And then they, you know, they get to it when they get to it. Let me ask you this. Was it still discouraging, even after the book had been published, to get a rejection notice for that book? Every time. Every time. Drove me into a deep depression. Well, that's, that's, that's a writer for you, right there. <laughs> um, so, uh, also, according to your own account, um, you were on your way home to burn the manuscript after it had been rejected so many times. Mm -hmm. Um, and you ran into an old Dartmouth classmate, and uh, that led to the book being published. Yes. Um, now, let me ask you this. I understand it's very demoralizing to not have a book published, but why did you feel you had to burn the manuscript? <laughs> just put it in a drawer. It's just, uh, you know what? It's just out with the old and with the new, get the bad energy out. Let's just burn it and have no proof it was ever on the planet Earth. <laughs> that, that's, if you don't mind my saying so, sure. that's very extreme. Yeah, it's a little fire. And paper. It's just the, the idea, you don't like the idea that I would burn a manuscript? Well, I feel I mean, that it's I, my manuscript, I'm not burning anybody else's. No, work. certainly you could do, you could do, you could burn whatever you like of your, your own possessions, of course. Uh -huh. That's uh, I, I believe we're all entitled to do that. I don't know. I'm sure yeah. there's some limit where the, the, the authorities would say, you can't burn that. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I, I feel that there's, it, 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 there's, there's a, a deeper emotional. Uh, 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 reason uh, for burning it. You, you're passing it off as a as very flip, like, who cares? But uh -huh. that's, it's a very extreme... Uh, it sends a, uh, quite a powerful message uh -huh. to obliterate something in that Yeah, way. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to burn it. I wanted it gone. I wanted to burn it. Okay? I wanted it gone. I didn't want it around anymore. It was a reminder of something people did not want, which is true, because even after it was published, they didn't want it. it kept coming in. I thought about buying every copy and burning it then. Well, that... Yeah. Hey, Boy Scouts, bring over your weenies and, and your marshmallows. Because old, old Dr. Seuss is really going to light a fire. <laughs> d d despite the subject matter, that became chilling. Um, well, it was a success. You wrote four more books before uh, World War II dawned. Um, and... Uh, and then you went to, and then during the war, um, you uh, you turned to political cartoons, mm -hmm. and uh, you felt very strongly about the war and, and America's uh, efforts in the war, and that it should be supported. Um, 
And uh, one thing, though, that you, uh, well, you, you, you criticized people who criticized the president, you attacked the Republican Party, anyone who was not behind the war effort all the way, and uh, you know, down with the Nazis, we've got to stop them. Um, you did seem to have a problem with the Japanese Americans, and you believed very strongly in the internment camps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did. I did, real strong. You felt that uh, yep. they were sort of laying in wait uh -huh. and uh, best to round them up. and For safety's sake. For, for safety's sake. <laughs> at the time, at the time, at the time. <laughs> I'm a person. Person can change their minds about a thing. But at the time, yes, seemed pretty safe. Because, um, you know, those Nazis. I mean, we all, if you didn't like the Nazis, clap your hands. <laughs> I, people... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't like to I don't like to editorialize on this stage that really should have been everyone that's what I that's how you know that's how you can find them hiding among you they don't clap they don't clap watch watch this round of applause how many Nazis do we have here tonight oh I see what you're saying yeah they learn yes yeah see? very clever mm -hmm. well you were quoted as saying on the issue of the on the issue of the Japanese, you were quoted as saying, but right now, when the Japs are planting their hatchets in our skulls, it seems like a hell of a time for us to smile and warble, brothers, it is a rather flabby battle cry. If we want to win, we've got to kill Japs, whether it depresses John Haynes Holmes or not. We can get palsy-walsy afterward with those that are left. Um, the Grinch is a great tale of Christmas season. No, no. No, no. And uh, it's about how, uh, you know, this guy, like, in the cover, he looks mean. Probably he's got some bad ideas. And then at the end, he's a pretty good guy. And I think... <laughs> should remember that. Because that's not, that's not just for the holiday season. That's for all seasons. <laughs> More, more people clapped for that turnaround than we're against Nazis. <laughs> but now, speaking of turnarounds, much like, much like your dear old pal, the Grinch, after the war, um, you overcame your, your negative feelings towards the Japanese. Mm -hmm. And um, your book, Horton Hears a Who, which was published in 1954, um, was an allegory for the, uh, the Hiroshima bombing. Um, and you, you dedicated the book to uh, a Japanese friend. Um, so that's that's quite a change of heart. It's, it's, it's certainly proof that people can change if, if they're of a mind to. Um, Horton, here's a, did people, did you feel that people accurately got that it was an allegory for the, the bombing of Hiroshima? Well, I feel like we're still talking about the other thing, so probably not. Uh, <laughs> that's living on. For some reason, Horton, here's a who, they're making movies, and, and you know, I heard about all that stuff, but uh, I think the message is getting lost, which is, you know, much like the Grinch from the Christmas uh, book that I wrote, you know, he's a good guy. And then Horton, right? <laughs> good guy. After the war, um, you had a, a wonderful creative period, and you wrote uh, your best-known books, uh, Horton Hears a Who, If I Ran the Circus, The Cat in the Hat. Uh, there's a couple of fans yeah. here in the audience wearing a thing. Wild, I make thing money one. off of those when they buy those. <laughs> now, does, they're, they're wearing T-shirts that say uh -huh. Thing 1 and Thing 2, respectively. Yeah. Does it bother you 
They're sitting in descending order. Oh, it's killing me. In fact, could you guys switch seats? Do you mind? Would you mind? You mind switching seats? Thank you. Thank you. You know, there's a reason why I wrote it that way. Yeah. That way, that way, neither the doctor nor myself have to touch this wooden stool 50 times, <laughs> go outside and walk in a circle. You do that too? Of course I do. <laughs> Certainly. What writer doesn't? Um, green eggs and ham, another hit. Yeah. Big one, big one. Oh, green eggs and ham fans, huh? Let me hear it. Let me hear it for the green eggs and ham. Yeah. They like that one. Who didn't like the Nazis? They're learning. <laughs> um, green eggs and ham. It's not obvious to me off uh, at first blush. What's that an allegory for? I'm so glad you asked. Um, uh, As am I. You know, that, that one's like, uh, like, it's an apology. Like, hey, sorry, Japanese people. <laughs> I'll eat whatever you want. I know you don't have hamburgers in your native land. Whatever you serve me is totally fine. If it comes out on a little train, I'm good with it. I'll sleep at a capsule hotel. doesn't matter to me. But people skip it over. They're more like, uh, they're like, oh, it's because some kid doesn't want to eat some food. And then when the kid tastes it, they like it. That's not the point of that book. I mean, read deeper, people. One level. One level deeper. Do you think dropping atomic bombs on Japan has had an effect on that country that eventually led to them selling used underpants in vending machines. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. <laughs> um, you, you wrote these beloved children's books. None of them wrote, none of them won the uh, the Caldecott Medal or the Newbery Medal, which are these prestigious awards in, in children's writing. Um, there were uh, three of the, 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 the books were runners-up, which they now call um, uh, uh, Caldecott Honor books. Um, does it bother you that you didn't win? Uh, in, in your field, you never won the, the major award, even though, believe me, these books are beloved, uh, generation, generation, generation after generation, loves your work, I everyone knows it, is that enough for you, or would you rather have uh, taken home the gold? It kills me that I didn't win those things. And I wish, uh, I want to invite the people who did win it over. Was it Beverly Cleary or somebody like that? Bring it over, and I'll start a little bonfire, and we'll just burn those things and forget that they even existed. Let's just torch it. What do we need awards for books for? The book is its own reward, just like how the Grinch stole Christmas. It's available. It's the holiday season. What do you get the person who has everything? This book it's for sale. $15? Jeez. In what world? <laughs> this was like 50 cents when I wrote it. Jeez, I'm sorry. We'll just put that down right there. <laughs> I, I hope that eases the sting a little bit of the... Uh... I just, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole... Jeez. Um... You also wrote uh, a motion picture. It was a musical, uh, this fantastical musical film called The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, mm -hmm. uh, released in 1950. Oh, we have a fan of this film. Thank you. Wait, are, are you clapping for the film? Are you clapping for this woman here? 
I myself have never seen the film. Uh, but people have seen this film, yes? Is there anyone who would like to come and explain what this movie is all about? You, sir, would you like to? No, you would not like to. I got it. You got... <laughs> what's, your, what's your name? Hi, Corey. Yeah, Corey, please come, come use my microphone. H.G. Uh, Wells, hello. Um, uh, would you please uh, give a brief uh, plot synopsis of The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T? Uh, there is a young boy who dislikes his pedophilic uh, piano teacher. <laughs> who... I'll stop you there. <laughs> is, this, uh, is this accurate? Just feels like... Uh... The Grinch that sold Christmas is a much better, you know, there's please, all the kids please, in there are fine. This one in the back's holding a wreath. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I'll, I'll start. Uh, the, the young boy is terrified of his creepy piano teacher, and he'd rather be a 1930s, I'm playing baseball kind of kid instead of playing the piano. And when he falls asleep... Kind of asleep, racist. <laughs> it's not what kids are like. I'm very sensitive to all people, in nationalities and ages. I just want to point that out. Go ahead. Uh, so, when he falls asleep, uh, he wakes up in a world that is ruled by his creepy teacher who wants to have a thousand kids or something playing one giant piano at one time, and Ooh. his plumber shows up and uh, saves his mom. <laughs> very accurate. Thank you. Corey, was it? Thank you, Corey. Thank, 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 Thank you very much. His plumber. The boy's personal plumber shows up and saves... Yeah. You know, uh, saves his own mother or saves the boy's mother? Sure. Both. Everybody. I think if you save somebody, you're sort of saving yourself. I say, do you feel, do you feel that... Do you feel that between that film and uh, Super Mario Brothers, films with hero plumbers just don't perform at the box office? I don't understand it. How many people here have ever called a plumber for something? Yeah. I bet you all three of you were real happy when that guy or gal came over to fix that leaky faucet or whatever. Uh, why, why can't we celebrate them with a film? Another one. We need more. They're people too. Now this is it. I found this, I found this fascinating. I did not know this and I found this very interesting. Um, Life magazine in, in 1954, they published a, a literacy report, a report about the illiteracy among school children um, it in, in, which concluded that children were not learning to read because books were boring. That that's what was preventing them from reading. Uh, so this uh, a fellow, William Ellsworth Spaulding, um, over there at uh, Houghton Mifflin, um, he compiled a list, 348 words. He felt first graders loved these words. They were important words to these first graders. He asked you, cut that list down to 250 words and make a book out of it. Yeah. And so you did. Yes. With words to spare, you used 236, and that book was The Cat in the Hat. Yes. <laughs> so it was. That was, uh, I won that bet. That was 10,000, that was 10 Gs what, for what me. What a bet? What? He was like, I didn't realize it was a wager. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That whole report thing. I mean, that's real. That part is real. But uh, Kids found books boring. They found books boring. Uh, here's 348 words, cut it down to 250. And I was like, well, what's it worth to you if I can do that? And he's like, 10 Gs? I said, sold. 
Next morning, I dropped off the manuscript. This fellow never saw you coming. Nope. Um, and so you still had words left over. Why didn't you use those extra words? I made a short story that I tacked on that you didn't put it in there. Like okay, so it was an epilogue? Yeah, it was just called... Or up. a completely different story. No, no, it was, it was like an epilogue. It was called Up Yours. How do you like that bet? How'd that, how did that work out for you? Probably not great. That's the majority of the words that were cut out. So it was just repeated a few times. Didn't even bother rhyming them? Nope. Oh, he got the rhyme. He got the rhyme. He got it. And thus you developed a, a certain uh, uh, writing style. This, uh, this opened up a different writing style for you. Um, and uh, and uh, it was, you were off, on, off and running from there. Um, the Cat in the Hat is a, is a curious creature because he seems to thrive on chaos. Yeah. Now, what was the lesson that you wanted to impart to children? Stop being brats. <laughs> Stop breaking everything. So the idea... You want to be like that cat? He's a jerk, that hat. I, I mean, look, I wrote the guy. I love him. He, he, he paid for my third van, but... I just think... Uh, how, many van, how many vans? That's not in my notes. How many vans did you end up with, ultimately? Fifteen. Fifteen vans? Yeah. Were any of them, uh, any or all of them, conversion vans? Oh, all of them. They had the they pop-up. They had a camper inside of them, chemical toilet, top of the line for that I time. say, I say, did you ever have any airbrushing done on the outside of those vans? Sure, sure. Uh, the one for the cat in the hat had his face on it, and it just said, thanks, jerk. <laughs> the face of the cat in the hat? Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, that jerk. That smug, he's just like... <laughs> that That's face. No. Oh, They all have that face. Please up. hold that face just in case we... We do want to get a photograph of that. That's a dead-on... Cat in the hat. <laughs> what a jerk wearing those gloves. He's just going to make a mess. So I guess the idea of that, it was, it was a sort of a be careful what you wish for uh, yeah. sort of uh, notion. Oh, oh, you want to be chaotic brats. Yeah. Well, imagine imagine if it were you trying to be the, the authority figure and this uh, 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 sort of demonic creature comes in, yeah. <laughs> upsetting everything. Yeah. And then it's not enough. He's like, uh, hey, I want to bring my little pals to come in yeah. and create more chaos. Even the fish got upset. Yeah, that fish is the voice. You know, that fish is the fish inside all of us, who guides us and is our moral center. We've all got a cross fish in our in our souls. Um, you were a, a liberal Democrat, yeah. uh, lifelong, but you you ended up uh, moving to La Jolla, California, which is like a bastion of Republicanism in California. Yeah. Uh, did you did you, did it delight you to live there amongst these? These wealthy Republicans. Oh, they hated it. I would get in uh, one of my vans and just drive down <laughs> with my head out the window with my megaphone just going, yeah, I, I don't like your politics. Oh, they hated that. While you were living there, you, the, the, the Postal Service confused you with uh, another fellow that lived in La Jolla, mm -hmm. whose name was Dr. Hans Seuss. Mm -hmm. And uh, you would get your, each other's mail, and so, but your names have been linked together uh, uh, posthumously. Um, and several of <laughs> Hans Seuss's personal papers are in the Dr. Seuss library. 
Now you realize, that's a federal offense. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, right? I'm the criminal. Well, you're not I supposed to hold on to it. You're not look, supposed to hold on to it. I didn't, it, look, they all got mixed together. I saw Seuss. And look, when you have 15 vans, you don't open your own mail, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I take you meaning. So, you know, they got mixed up and he got some stuff in. Good for him. I'll bet you he's not going to the courts. Or his family's not. He's dead. He's quite dead, yeah. Super dead. I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't quote me Are you out there, Hans? Huh? Hans Seuss, show yourself! <laughs> no, he's dead. <laughs> Silence equals death. Yeah. Um, from Horton Hears a Who, there was a famous line, a person's a person, no matter how small. which you were subtly, silently saying along with me just now. Yeah. And uh, it began to be used uh, by the, uh, the pro-life. Yeah, this, I, don't, I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, um, uh, used by the pro-life. The first time was in 1986. Mm -hmm. And uh, you demanded they do not use this slogan. And they said, right, Dr. Seuss, apologies. Well, then they waited until uh, a certain event in your life. <laughs> Past that event, they started using it again. And then it was up to the woman, who is your wife, to say, stop using that slogan. Yeah. But they're still doing it. What? <laughs> I mean, really, that's not okay. Somebody call my, somebody get my lawyer out of one of those vans and sick him on him. Why is your lawyer in one of the vans? You know, he needed a place to crash and we've got plenty of vans. I just gave him one. I think you, 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 well. Go ahead, say it. It behooves, you, it. It behooves you to have on retainer uh, uh, a lawyer who can afford to stay in a hotel if he needs to. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> I'm just a softie. Um, changing gear slightly. Um, October of 1967. Uh, your wife died. Audrey. Um, Sorry, uh, Helen. <laughs> You'll see why in a moment. Helen died after a long uh, battle with uh, cancer and various other illnesses. And also uh, despondent over the fact that you had an affair with this woman, uh, Audrey. Unproven. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. If that's important to you, that it's unproven. Well, she committed suicide. Uh, very dark. Very dark times. Um, and then... Um, a year later, you marry this woman that you may or may not have had an affair with. No. no. What, you, you well, should... no, I married her. You did marry her, yeah. Yeah, 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 but, you know. You never had any children? No, 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 no. <laughs> you seen those things? <laughs> no way, man. No way. You would say you... two marriages, no children. No, no, no. But... You, know, you know what I always said, right? Yes, I do. You, you have them. I'll entertain them. That's right. And keep them away from me. And not oh, in the my quote house. continues. Yeah, not in my house. And keep get away from that van. Don't touch the van. Who said you could touch your van? Take care of your kids. Get out of my driveway. This is private property. I can shoot you. That's the whole quote. You did. We're, we're running dangerously low on time, but I, I do want to say you, you, you did write two books for adults early on, early in your career. The Seven Lady Godivers. Mm -hmm. um, it, was a, it was a variation on the Lady Godiva story um, that included nude pictures. You had uh, nude artwork in there. 
Yeah. Um, and yet, uh, still not a, a gigantic hit. No, not a good seller. Yes. And then uh, uh, later in life, um, you wrote a book called You're Only Old Once, which chronicles an old man's journey through a clinic. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I sure did. <laughs> now, who, who was this for? Uh, you know what they you know what they say? They say a hundred for them, one for you. <laughs> so that one uh, you know, just like hey, what what would that be like to be an old guy clinic? I just wanted to see, so it was for me, but I think everybody can enjoy it. I think it's a real it's a real Seek it out! It's a hot You're read. only old once. Story of an old man's journey through a clinic. Through that clinic <laughs> of life. Uh, very quickly, we're, go we're going to turn to uh, uh, questions from uh, Twitter. Uh -huh. uh, I do have to ask you, have you seen either the, uh, the live-action versions of uh, The Grinch or The Cat in the Hat? Yeah, I saw those. Yeah. Terrifying. They're terrible. <laughs> yes. Really horrific. Yes. Not at all what I imagined. Well, I think the problem was they were trying to make it look like as you imagined it, but when you see that walking around, it's uh, chilling. Yeah. And no one wants to see it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Who's become these horrific creatures that uh, you, you're rooting for the Grinch. Yeah. It's a, it's a nightmare. It's like, a, like watching a nightmare. It's like it's watching a nightmare. Me, a very personal nightmare. And oh, I, go ahead. Were these, were you drawing so born out of nightmares? This yeah. is a bit of a scoop. Could you imagine if everybody and everything looked like what I drew and sculpted? You'd be terrified. I'd rather not. You'd be terrified. You'd be like the Twilight Zone. Oh, you're the ugly one. Right, right? we're the one. Yeah. She's, she's lovely, but yeah. everyone else is ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And Just they like think that. she's ugly. Uh-huh. Eye of the beholder. Yeah. We do have time for some questions from the social networking platform Twitter. If you would like to uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, we're at DeadAuthorPod. And uh, when we do these uh, uh, recordings, the day of the recording, we'd like to uh, submit, uh, uh, not submit, we like to uh, uh, solicit. solicit. Thank you very much. We like to solicit questions from, uh, from our audience. And, and so you may uh, tweet those questions for our authors then. Uh, this one comes from a fellow who calls himself Hob the Troll. Oh, I do hope it's not an actual troll. <laughs> <laughs> what not. if this turns out to be a riddle that we can't solve and then the troll eats us? I know. I know. Shouldn't have gone to that bridge. He asks, is there a word other than nerd that you wish would have caught on? I mean, they're all kind of popular. I don't understand. I like that question just seems weird. I feel like every word that I wrote sort of in the vernacular. Every word? Yeah, 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 yeah. Watch. Say one of those words from my thing. Go ahead. Just say one. See, he can't even pick his favorite. He loves them all. <laughs> he loves every single word. He loves all of them. <laughs> Thanks, Hob. Someone, someone calling, the, calling themselves ludicrosity? Yeah, that's a word I made up for... Uh, Hands, hands, fingers. Ludicrousity. Yeah. Which current day authors do you see your influence on the most? Gee, I mean, all of them. You know, like, uh, hey, which, which? I'm sorry. Which? Uh, all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every like, author. Let me currently writing. Let me ask you the same question, okay? Which uh, rock band today was inspired by the Beatles? All of them. All of them. So you, you could. <laughs> but you, but you're saying, you're saying. You've influenced all genres of literature. Oh, yeah. So it's not just people, other people writing children's works. All, 
hey, they were all kids once. <laughs> somebody, somebody read them one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. All of a sudden, they're like, that, that's what I want. Uh, but I'm going to make murder, uh, murder books where they're all like, uh, they start with different letters of the alphabet. <laughs> you know that one's mine. You know it's mine. <laughs> Sue Grafton, is that Yeah, her yeah, she was a kid. Certainly. They were all kids. They were all children once. All children Certainly. Once. All of them. Fella named uh, Travis McElroy. Made up. Was the failure of your adult book, The Seven Lady Godivers, what drove you towards children's books? Look. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't He's a right here. You can tell him to his face. This never Look, happens. Listen. This, uh, this is not a failure, okay? Here's the deal. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Oh, the real Bennett deal. Bennett Surf comes up to me. We're having lunch. She's like, listen, anything you write, I'm going to publish. Anything. I'm like, oh, anything? Anything? Here's seven naked ladies. Boom. Drew them all. All the artwork is mine in those. And it's classy nudes. It's classy. So uh, we're talking about it now. So I think it was pretty successful. <laughs> uh, someone named Ahab. Oh, I hope this is not a Purple Rose of Cairo situation. <laughs> People are stepping out of books and getting a Twitter account and then asking questions. Ahab asks, yeah. given his fondness for pen names, are there any Mr. Geisel wanted to use but never got the chance to? Steve. <laughs> Just what one Just one Steve. name, Steve? Four E's. Steve. No, no, like Steve. E S E T E V. Like an E, e every other letter. E S T. Could you imagine? E V E. Yeah. Steve. Pretty crazy. S S That would have been wild. Yeah. Uh. Young woman named uh, Jennifer Aloisi. Hey. <laughs> this is an interesting one. Are the Who's in the Grinch the same as those in Horton Hears Who? If so, where are the Grinch and Mount Crumpet in Horton? Uh, <laughs> great question. Uh, thanks for reading both books and buying them both. Uh, let's just say to the North. Don't make it happy, does that answer it? That's perfectly, yeah. perfectly acceptable answer. Yeah. Does that stick a pin in it for you? There we go, Jennifer. Um, now this fellow, he, another fellow with a made-up name, he keeps writing into us. Joseph Scrimshaw. Now that can't be real. <laughs> Super fake. Why do you think your estate is so litigious? Do you think they will sue a podcast? Well, that is a worry now. <laughs> I did not like getting to the end of that question. Look, uh, I, I'm not looking for trouble. My lawyer just wants to sleep in that van and not bother anybody, but... You know, if there's a problem, if don't take my stuff. That's the thing. If you take my stuff, we're going to come after you. <laughs> but, uh, Me and the lawyer. But this... Yeah. <laughs> but this sort of situation, certainly no one's trying to take your stuff. 
No, just no. Having an amiable chat. We're just talking. We're promoting. We're promoting. This How is the fun. Grinch stole Christmas in stores now. <laughs> Affordable. Eighteen ninety nine in Canada. Really? <laughs> Who has that much money? No Canadian. Is it someone does. in advertising? Bunch of modern-day Don Drapers buying these books. Yeah. Um, Sari Gamp. <laughs> I don't know what that could mean. The cat in the Cat in the Hat represents irreversible entropy and the heat death of the universe. Correct. <laughs> Uh, sure. Whatever you want. <laughs> to the north, yeah, it's entropy, death, heat, whatever you want. All right. Just buy a copy for your kids. We have, we have time for one final question. One more. Here we go. It's from a fellow named Greg Miller. Sure. Um, <laughs> and that, a lot of people wrote a similar question in. The, the variations on this same question. People wanted to know, do you have any regrets about driving your wife to suicide? <laughs> No. <laughs> Dr. Seuss, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much indeed. My thanks to Dr. Seuss for his time, and special thanks to Mr. Hal Lublin for no particular reason. This podcast is produced by Mrs. Ben Zelovansky and Paul F. Tompkins, with special material written by Mr. Zelovansky. The producers wish to thank... Cody Fisher, Marlene Maginot, Jim Yatto, Mike Still, Susan Hale, and everyone at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theatre Los Angeles, and Tia Stark and Joel Archios of 826LA. Our theme was composed and performed by Mr. Eben Schletter, Esquire. Our program is recorded live and monthly at the UCB Theatre Los Angeles. If you'd like to attend a future recording, tickets may be acquired at ucbtheatre.com. The theatre donates all proceeds to 826LA. For updates on future performances, please like the Dead Authors page on Facebook. For additional updates, or to ask questions of our guests from the safety of your very own thumbs, follow us on Twitter, at DeadAuthorPod. The original Dead Authors reading series was created by Mr. John Korn. Until next time, this is H.G. Wells saying, the show is over.